The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So, um, I was really appreciating in um, Chris's guided meditation earlier how she was inviting us to be with whatever was coming up. And, you know, this, this practice of right intention calls upon us to be that flexible that we can notice wrong intention, right intention, wrong intention, wrong intention, right intention, <laughs> just, you know, to, to flow with it. Um, but what I'm going to do this afternoon, talking about loving kindness and compassion, the other two right intention um, <clears throat> things that we, we are moving towards, is to spend some time first on exploring how unskillful intention keeps us from being free. And then later discuss how we can cultivate skillful intention. So um, I think, you know, sometimes in my own practice, I've noticed the tendency to want to rush off of the stuff that's painful and standing in my way right towards the really working hard at the practices that will liberate me. But um, if any of you saw the animated movie a few years ago about the life of bees that was called Bee Movie, there's a very funny scene in it. <clears throat> that I think we've probably all witnessed where the bee is facing a pane of glass and it keeps flying into it again and again and it goes, this time, this time, this time, this time. <laughs> and that's sometimes how uh, it feels to me with this, this push to get to the you know, positive, skillful practices. But really what's happening is I'm going, this time, this time, this time, and keep running into the glass of my own um, unskillful intention. So... I've actually, the longer I practice, the more I think it's worth our time to really hang out and really understand what is standing in our way. So to start with, um, you know, we have these skillful intentions we want to move towards of letting go, loving kindness and compassion, but why not allow ourselves to hang out and notice um, you know, Chris discussed very nicely craving and how these ways we can fool ourselves into thinking that that sweet crunch is the thing we need to feel better or whatever we're holding on to. Um, so these unskillful intentions, craving, and then in the case of the opposite of loving kindness and compassion, ill will. And what is sometimes called hostility or could be called harmfulness. So until we thoroughly see them and integrate how those unskillful movements of mind are causing our suffering, we're doomed to this time, this time, this time, keep running into the glass. Um, and at the same time, we are trying to cultivate this letting go, this loving kindness and compassion as we go along. So, um, you know, there's kind of a, dialectic here. So I would say it doesn't matter whether you feel like you're early in your practice or you're somewhere in the middle or you you, you're pretty sure you're pretty advanced because unless you're sitting here and you're already a Buddha, there's some subtle level on which these unskillful intentions are still operating. And it may be really subtle. It may take some real looking to understand where is the craving? Where is the clinging? Where is the ill will? Where is the harmfulness that's going on? 
And often I, I notice as I study this, the, the question we're really looking at is, where is delusion still operating? Because that's the one that can be really hard to see. Where is delusion still? So I think we can fully uncover um, these unskillful intentions or wrong intentions, and wrong meaning they don't help us liberate, that are generating our suffering. Um, and, uh, you know, Chris covered so well craving, you know, and how it can be experienced as greed, wanting, having to have things a certain way, and thinking that will make us happy if they're a certain way. Or addiction to sense pleasures, or compulsive behaviors that we think will feel good. Um, what's interesting, as I studied this subject this month, for the sixth time, seventh time, however many rounds I'm on with it, um, I tuned into how we actually need letting go as a prerequisite for clearing the mind and heart enough to experience loving kindness or compassion. So whether that's a letting be, you know, while we're sitting and we're experiencing things, just letting things be how they are, equanimity, it's, you know, we can appreciate any time we've experienced loving kindness or compassion, we've actually been clear enough to have that capacity of heart to feel those things. Um, so, in a way, this letting go or letting be or renunciation clears, opens the heart and mind, clears the space for loving kindness and compassion. So I thought that was pretty important to dial into and to recognize. So I'm, gonna, I'm going to have us notice some things by a practice of reflection. So I'm going to invite you to uh, gently close your eyes and just get into, spend a couple of minutes just breathing and being with how things are. And then in a couple of minutes, what I will do is I will drop in a word or a phrase um, I'm going to drop a series of them into your meditation. And what I'm going to invite you to do at that time is actually just allow whatever wants to bubble up to bubble up. So the, the things I'm going to drop in are going to be examples of how the unskillful intention of ill will might appear in your experience. Um, you may notice, by the way, when that happens that an example of how that manifests in your life shows up, or it may be you may notice the opposite of it. Sometimes you might notice how a uh, you know, example of goodwill comes up. So just allowing yourself to settle in for a minute or two before I speak.
Noticing what bubbles up when you think of not wanting in your life or pushing an experience away. wanting to control your experience or events in your life. When does anger or resentment bubble up? Feeling someone is difficult or feeling judgmental towards yourself or someone else. Fear.
wishing for an unpleasant experience to end or striving to get rid of certain states of mind or body that you don't like. Resistance. Impatience. just enduring or getting through something. Or going through the motions while hoping for a better experience some other time. clinging to concepts or ideas of how things should be or could be better than this right here, right now. ready, you can open your eyes and just notice that whatever did bubble up as you listened uh, to those phrases uh, could be areas to notice in terms of how suffering is being created through ill will or perhaps it's opposite bubbled up. So it's interesting that our sitting practice is in a way a, con a consistent practice of developing the ability to be with whatever it is that's coming up. And in a sense, it is a, it's a form of kindness. It's a form of goodwill um, to just continuously practice this equanimity or this ability to be present with whatever is coming up in your sitting practice moment after moment could feel 
pleasant, could feel unpleasant, you know, whatever is surfacing, that might be a beginning of this practice of goodwill. Um, perhaps at first what we're practicing is non-ill will. So maybe it goes in stages. Maybe we can notice when ill will is present. Then we can notice when there's an absence of ill will, when it's just simple equanimity or simply being present with what's coming up. Um, and then as we really are able to understand more and more deeply how ill will surfaces in us or how non-ill will is present, eventually we may tap into this friendliness or loving kindness or this goodwill, which is really a deeply felt wish for happiness for ourselves and other people. And that deeply felt wish is, you know, maybe that could be described as empathy. The idea that every single being, every single person on this earth really is trying in their own way to be happy. So at this moment, maybe thinking of the person that you least feel any resonance with on the planet and recognizing that, you know, there's some part of you that could tap into the idea that fundamentally they just want to be happy and they're going about it in whatever way they know how. So this deeply felt wish for the happiness of ourselves and others actually doesn't take preferences. When we're practicing this practice of metta or goodwill, we're actually not just doing it for the people we like or, you know, for the people for whom we have personal affection. Actually, what we want to eventually do is develop it so that it is for anyone and every everyone, for every being. So we've had a, a few moments to hang out with what might bubble up when we think of some of these qualities of resistance. And, and maybe, you know, this ill will or this resistance is deeply rooted in a defensive fear, you know, or habits of thinking that we can control our experience so that it's not so painful or threatening or difficult. Um, but, you know, having some kindness and appreciation for how we naturally as human beings are trying to, you know, shape our existence not to have that. And then next, we're going to do another reflective practice to tap into what might be the difference between this uh, unskillful intention of ill will versus the unskillful intention of harmfulness or hostility. So again, inviting you to close your eyes and just meditate. uh, Allow yourself to get into your practice for a minute before I drop in any phrases uh, and Again, when I drop these phrases in, just seeing what bubbles up, and it could be some experience in your life that you've, you've had around these phrases, or it could be the opposite. So being open to either one.
dropping into your meditation any repeated behaviors that you do that in the end really don't have good results in a way they, they are a bit harmful to you. So it could feel like kind of a compulsive behavior or just one that you've done again and again and in the end it, it kind of harms you. Anytime you're fighting yourself, Anytime that you say mean things inside your own mind about yourself or about someone else, Things that are happening in the world that bring up that feeling of them versus us in you. Feeling the impulse to argue Slight movements that you feel in yourself of either aggression or a little bit of violence, either inwardly or outwardly. It could just be violent language that you think. It could be just reactivity.
So when you're ready, allowing yourself to open your eyes again, and just notice that whatever came up again as you listen to those phrases might be areas that your mind is primed to notice in terms of how harmfulness is creating suffering in your life. So it's possible that those movements of mind are deeply rooted in um, a kind of energy that we mobilize in the body and mind that's a defensive, you know, angry. Sometimes anger can feel like a lot of uh, energy to defend ourselves. Um, so I, I was, I've been struck, I sometimes, when I'm running the groups with kids and parents, I've had them do this exercise where first they say to one another, just repeating in turn, yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, any way that they want. And, and I also have them try, no, 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 however they'd like to say it, back and forth. And the first time I ran that exercise, I was very surprised when I asked how it felt that some kids raised their hand and said they liked no. And I think that's the way we sometimes mobilize a little bit of anger energy in ourselves for whatever reason, that can feel powerful. It can feel like power to people. So recognizing that we might, there might be this self-defensiveness that comes up when these movements of mind of uh, hostility or harmfulness come up. And again, we're, we're trying to uproot those, noticing from moment, one moment to the next when we feel that, you know, maybe we listen to the news and we feel that them versus us uh, feeling or wanting to argue about something. And it's not that we shouldn't use our discernment to decide what things in this world we want to support and what things we want to work to improve or change. We, we've got to do that, right? But it's that hostility that comes up around it, that them versus us. Um, so we're, we're working to uncover and heal those mind states, um, that intention... Um, because those are the intentions that actually lead towards this constant pain and suffering around what's happening in the world and doesn't enable us to feel the compassion we want to get to. And compassion, as we're talking about it here, is actually being able to be in the presence of suffering and feel that sympathetic vibration of the heart that knows what it is like to suffer. Uh, whatever kind of suffering that might be. So it could be the suffering of ignorance or a point of view that's really taking someone down a road of harm and they don't even see it. Um, so, whereas, you know, Chris asked me a question last month, you know, why these three? Why letting go uh, loving kindness and compassion? And especially loving kindness and compassion can feel so close uh, people sometimes think, oh, you know, it's kind of the same thing. But to make a differentiation here, loving kindness is the intention towards happiness for every living being, as we would want happiness for ourselves, happiness for all others. Um, but compassion is the specific wish that all beings, without limits, be free from suffering. So it's 
a melting of the heart at other people's suffering and our own and a, a wish to alleviate it. Now, maybe you've experienced the difference between these two if you've noticed that it's, it can be maybe somebody in your life, you can be, it's pretty easy to be friendly to them, but if you have to listen day after day, month after month, year after year, to the particular way they suffer, there's a part of you that goes, ah, oh, I don't think I can do another round of listening to this. Or, you know, it could be your own child that they, they keep struggling with the same thing and you're thinking, really, can't I just let, get them to get this? Or, you know, someone else in your life, a colleague, like, I can't believe they can't get this. Or a political figure, I cannot believe they don't get this, why this doesn't work this way, or why this is going to be a disaster. This ability to, to cultivate compassion without limit for all beings is not as easy as it sounds, right? When you think of those examples. So renunciation clears and opens the heart of unwholesome states, letting go, letting go of these things so that our minds and hearts are clear enough to develop this, cul- this felt friendliness, this embodied feeling of loving kindness towards everyone without exception. And that opens clear enough, it opens and clears us enough for this felt understanding and ability to be present with suffering, um, compassion. So I love the statement, and I'm sorry I forget whether Bhante Gunaratna wrote it or Bhikkhu Bodhi, but compassion allows us to remain loving in the face of provocation. That's a good one. When you're feeling provoked by conditions in the world or in your life or in your family or at your workplace, this is the acid test. Can we remain loving in the face of provocation? So Chris mentioned earlier that mindfulness is such a key to this, these movements of right intention. Um, it trains us to observe what's happening from moment to moment on the cushion and in our daily lives. It helps us develop this ability to be present and be equanimous with whatever is happening. Be really even. Doesn't matter whether it's a moment of excruciating pain or resistance or a moment of love and, and kindness and friendliness and easily letting something go or letting something be. That equanimity really serves us and cultivates this ease or this simplicity that Chris mentioned before. And mindfulness allows us to start to take responsibility for what's coming up and how we are suffering through what's coming up in our mind, in our speech, and in our body. And this can just be internal speech, you know, internal realities as well as as external. Um, So, of course, learning to observe the presence of this craving this ill will and this harmfulness in a variety of different situations, we can pretty soon, either sooner or later, depending on where the bee going, this time, this time, this time, we can notice that these things are not helped by venting or expressing them. You know, how many times have you reached for the cookie? Again, again, again. And lo and behold, it really didn't satisfy the anxiety that was going on. Or you felt like you You could get that last word in or you could persuade someone of something just one more time. That impulse comes up. 
but it really doesn't help when we express or act on ill will or harmfulness or this aggressive kind of like, I, I'm going to fix you. I know that if I just explain it right this time, you'll get it. It's also not helped by trying to push this stuff away, by repressing it. You know, my, you know I've spent plenty of time in practice going, check, move on. You know, like, okay, ill will. Now I want to f- do the loving kindness thing. <laughs> you know, so j- n- we don't have to do that. We can really cultivate very, very patient, very gentle, very kind ways of being with our practice, seeing ill will or harmfulness arise. And in the next minute, maybe seeing kindness arise. In the next minute, oops, there's another compulsive, you know, thing. There's another moment of craving. And then, and a few minutes later, wow, look at that. Spontaneously compassion for someone. So don't be in a hurry. Just let yourself take the years that it takes to really see this deeply. Because when we don't see it, don't worry. It will repeat itself. Uh, but it, it often repeats itself on subtler and subtler and subtler levels as we go through practice. So we can take our time. Now, uh, Bhikkhu Bodhi comments that we can't really leave the development of loving kindness and compassion to chance, though. Waiting for it to spontaneously, although it will spontaneously arise in practice, I've especially noticed this on retreat. When you spend day after day in mindfulness, sometimes you'll just be delighted by a bubbling up of compassion or a bubbling up of friendliness. And that's great. But these formal practices that we've been offered are also so helpful for cultivating these um, movements of loving kindness and compassion. Now, I, w- I want to just ask for a show of hands, how many people have been introduced to a formal practice of metta? They've been to some kind of day long or they've heard about metta before or loving kindness. Great. And if you haven't, um, I'd invite you to look for the next pra- practice days that offer that here at IMC because it is a really fantastic practice to learn to, using formal phrases, extend this goodwill first you know we start with ourselves and then we extend it outward to often to a a mentor a teacher that you know is really someone who's always been great in our life then to a friend to a stranger or a so-called neutral person someone we don't know anything about then to a hostile or difficult person and sometimes after we do it with specific individuals, calling those specific people to mind, we say the phrases ultimately to groups, and sometimes the practice can just become radiating the feeling. But the phrases that are used in formal meta-practice usually are something like, you know, the different people use different ones, but something like the following phrases. And I'm, I'm going to invite you to just take a moment and close your eyes and, and see what happens when you extend these phrases toward yourself first. So saying in your own mind, may I be happy. And feeling how that lands. May I be safe and free from harm. May I be healthy. 
May I be peaceful. Sometimes what comes up when we say those phrases to ourselves is those feelings, and sometimes the exact opposite comes up. So this is, it's called a purification practice for that reason, because whatever way we don't feel that towards ourselves or towards others will come up in this formal practice. And that is also useful to notice, you know, I, I do these phrases very, very frequently. Um, I spend probably a half hour to 45 minutes several times a week practicing these. And I'll immediately notice when I'm not feeling, you know, may, that the wholesome wish for myself or someone else, it, it'll pop up. So it's really a good litmus test. And it's also something that you could practice for years. That could be your only practice. And it can be just a really beautiful, really helpful practice. So that is cultivating loving kindness consciously and surfacing where we don't, where it's not present and being able to pay attention to that. So compassion practice is a little bit different than that. Of course, you could probably hear that contains something that feels like compassion to wish yourself happiness and freedom from harm, safety, health, peace. But very often, compassion practice is, has phrases something like, may your suffering come to an end. So, you know, closing your eyes and letting you so yourself say to yourself in your mind, may my suffering come to an end. And just feeling what surfaces. So I've kind of given you a very brief taste of these. They're actually done quite deeply. So often you first summon an image of yourself in your mind's eye. And whatever, you know, is good about you. Maybe a little kind thing that you've done or, you know, that you're, you're here trying. You're here working on your practice. That's something good about you. So it's a cultivation of that image in your mind's eye, too, of that being, and then extending these phrases. For example, seeing your suffering, seeing the ways you just keep struggling again and again, despite your best intentions, seeing what pops up, and then dropping in these, this phrase, may my suffering come to an end. And really feeling that again and again and repeating. I mean, I've done week-long retreats that are devoted to nothing but this and found it to be so beneficial. So um, this way that we use mindfulness to extend compassion, and notice where compassion is absent or where there's harmfulness, um, we work on learning to extend compassion or be present. But you know what's interesting? Despite all that, life continues to present us with pain, sickness, old age, death, sorrow, being parted from what and whom we love. And so this, we need this practice. <laughs> the older I get and the more my body starts to hurt and fall apart, the more I feel like this compassion practice is so, so important for old age. 
I wouldn't want to go in there without this. <laughs> Too rough. By the way, this practice of compassion, I mentioned before, delusion is often what is standing in the way if we feel like we've been at this for a while. Why are we not yet sitting here a Buddha, a fully awakened being? It's delusion. And one of the big ways we can begin to notice our unskillful, harmful delusion is actually in the areas where in our own ways we've been privileged and have taken it for granted. So it could be advantages that we've enjoyed by virtue of economic uh, status or by virtue of uh, ethnic status with respect to the society we're living in or it could be gender-based or it could be access to health, access to education, access to clean water and air, access to housing, sufficient food, ample fuel for heat, light, cooking, cleaning ourselves. These are things that we might sit here and take for granted and our delusion about what we've had actually can subtly lead into harmfulness in the world, not seeing how these are privileges that we've been lucky to receive and how harmfulness is being perpetuated by the blindness of not seeing that not everybody has that. You know, there's a lot of suffering around all those dimensions and many more. And probably many people in this room have felt suffering based on one or more of those categories that I just reeled off. So just systematically cultivating both the informal practice of noticing when the unhelpful intentions bubble up and noticing when the helpful ones bubble up and then systematically cultivating these helpful intentions and letting that be a year-by-year practice, you know, sometimes letting it be a purification where it surfaces what's not working first is something that is the way that we can make this move from the perspective of, okay, I came here because I'm suffering and I want it to end, towards the mind states that are going to take us into the actions that will lead to freedom instead of keep us in that wheel of suffering. So thank you for your attention. And I also ran really long. But um, we have another chance here to break into groups and reflect on this a little bit. So find uh, a group of four, anybody that you, maybe anybody you haven't met or if you've met everybody, just some of your compadres. And I'll pose the questions after you have a chance to get in your group. needs one more person if anybody ah Lauren great thank you okay so if if there's a group of three no worries but either group of three or four and what we're going to do is we're going to do the same practice we did last time where you're just listening and by the way you're seeing what bubbles up in terms of 
uh, loving kindness or compassion or, you know, other feelings, wanting the other person, uh, wanting things for the other person or wanting things to go away inside. Noticing anything that bubbles up as you're listening to the other person share for three minutes and then you'll, you know, I'll ring the bell every three minutes and each person gets a turn. Was there anything or what surprised you that may have bubbled up during the reflections, you know, when I was dropping different phrases in? Were there any surprises? Or, either one, what that or what did you notice in yourself that you'd like to cultivate loving kindness or compassion more? What's an area in your life? So just a three-minute monologue and let yourself discover something new that you didn't know before you opened your mouth. So you don't have to know it all already. It can kind of pop, bubble out as you're talking. What surprised you that bubbled up during the reflections? Or what do you notice in yourself that you'd like, where you'd like to cultivate loving kindness or compassion more completely? So with that... Um, please feel free after taking a moment of reflection. I'll ring the bell in one minute. Maybe you can reflect on it for a minute before we start. <laughs> 